Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. I've said that like 350 times or more, and then I just said it and like messed it up in front of Philip, my new guest on today's show. So, man, you got to hear the one time when I like botched it. So, hey, hey, it's great to have you here. Philip Brandis, founder of Bravis Brewing Company. Philip, it's so great having you on the podcast. Hey, Justin, great to be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad you're here. Um, and we're off to a very exciting start. And I, um, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. It's a Friday afternoon when we're recording and um, just excited to unpack uh, what you and your, your company have done here and the, the, what's in front of you um, in the craft beer space and, and not just regular craft beer, but the non-alcoholic craft beer space. I can't even wait to unpack that. So let's do this. Uh, Philip, share a little bit about your background. You started this company in 2015. We'll get to that in a moment. But like, what were you doing before starting Bravis? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, probably, uh, you know, I was doing the thing that was the furthest away from making beer, and that is uh, <laughs> software development. Right? Oh, How perfect. boring is a tech that? Guy. And, and, I love and it. Like, and like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What's a tech guy doing uh, making beer? But um, actually, it was quite a, it was, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of use for technology in making beer because anyone can really brew a beer, but to make this the, the same beer over and over again, there's a lot of data. Like, no doubt. You know, how, how many. And how many, you know, how much volume do you have in the tank? What's the gravity? Like, what's the temperature? You know, how much yeast are you putting? And so it really was a, like a benefit to have that background in sort of moving over to beer. And so uh, it does sound funny, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And uh, here we are. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look... Um, it was, it was a crazy time. So. I love it. And so, yeah, my background's in technology and data and analytics, and I work in this industry, like yeah. in my day job. Um, and with this podcast is so fun, like when you see those things come together. So how did you decide I'm going to jump out of tech and go start a, a beverage company? Yeah, well, I'm sure you can uh, relate to this, but I think, you know, hours and hours in front of a computer was just slowly killing me uh, and very antisocial and <laughs> right. wife, wife just wanted me to get out more and, and, and you know, make friends. So, right. uh, and there's no, and there's no better friends than uh, those you find at a brewery. So uh, no, look, I, 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 I was very fascinated by um, the sort of, you know, I wasn't a very big craft beer guy, but my brother who craft beer geek or nerd or whatever you want to call him, aficionado sure. would drag me, you know, to these breweries and where, you know, you would stand in line for, for uh, hours on end just to get a sip of a coveted, uh, you know, limited release IPA. And, uh, what I would remark was, gosh, there's, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm used to like the Coors Lights and the right. Budweiser's of the world where you can drink like six or seven of them and be okay. But <laughs> you can't do that with, with a double or heavy crowd beers. <laughs> no, no. Like one, one sip of a double or a triple or, you know, oh. you, you take a, a perfectly good Imperial stout that's like, what, 12%, which is right. crazy. And then you barrel age, barrel age it and then it's like 19%. And so, yeah, one sip is like, whoa. I mean, oh my gosh. To me, beer, beer's always been, you drink them fast, you drink them, you drink a lot of them, you drink them cold, right? <laughs> right. And here this is like a cocktail you, you would sip this beer you know in a fancy glass not a not a long neck bottle so um yeah so I, I wanted to sort of dive into this uh really cool right and wasn't programming by any means sure no i i love but it it was very cool uh sort of industry but you know what would i do and of course I had another friend of 
Yeah, of course, I had another friend of mine who uh, was also a, a big beer geek. Uh, the problem is, yeah, he would, you know, he would drink like eight or nine of these things and, you know, obviously developed a bit of a problem or a lot of a problem, I should say. And <laughs> wife kind of gave him this ultimatum one day and said, look, uh, it's either us, it's your family or, or the beer. Uh, and so uh, he made the right choice and gave up, uh, gave up the beer and went sober, but was so embarrassed. Like, he, you know, he, he'd go to a restaurant, go to, you know, I won't say any names, but that typical green label, non-alcoholic beer. Sure. Yep. I'm very familiar. <laughs> or one of those. And uh, every time he came to the table, he would just, he would just yeah, he, he would just turn around. Uh, so the label actually faced him. So no one knew he was drinking a non-alcoholic beer. And of course, when he took a sip, you know, you, you could just see his like disdain, right? Because he went from this great hoppy IPA to this, you know, grocery store, non-alcoholic lager. And just, I just felt bad for him. So I said, hey, uh, tell you what, you teach me how to, to homebrew and make beer. I'm going to try and find you a, a good tasting non-alcoholic uh, IPA, which was, was his favorite. And so, uh, yeah, just, um, you know, got all the equipment. Uh, built out the brewery in, in, you know, where everyone starts up in the garage and, uh, and went at it and took technology to really find a different approach to making non-alcoholic beer because, uh, you know, previous to us, really the only way to make it was to take out the alcohol. So people don't really know that you actually start off with an alcoholic beer and then either vacuum distill, like burn off the alcohol or, or filter it out. And so, of course, in the, in the process, you're taking everything out of the beer that makes it a beer, the yeast, the flavor, the, 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 you know, the aroma. And I didn't want to do that. I felt there had to be a better way. And so really kind of dove into the research on how to brew beer and fermentation and yeast. And actually hooked up with a, um, this amazing woman uh, who was a PhD in my, uh, molecular biology, who was also, also a home brewer. And so her and I worked over the course of a year to come up with just an innovative and new, unique process where that instead of taking out the alcohol, why not try and just not put a lot of it in, you know, in the first place? I mean, I'm sure listeners can, uh, they agree that uh, if you're going to make something amazing, you don't put ingredients in just to take them back out, right? right? You just don't put them in the first place, right? Uh, it's like trying to, uh, you know, take the chocolate out of chocolate milk. It's just not going to happen. Totally. And so, um, so yeah, so spent some time doing that. And then bingo, one day came up with a, an IPA that just tasted exactly like an alcoholic IPA. And so here we were, but of course, my wife, who is a CPA, said, uh, this is a little bit more than a hobby at this point. You like spent most of our savings. You like made a mess. Right. Start a company around this. And so at least you can write some, some, some of this equipment off, right? You know, typical CPA. So, um, so that's what I did. And uh, the response was, 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 was almost mixed. So on one side, we have uh, all the alcoholic people saying, you know, what the heck are you doing? Right. Why are you doing that? What's the point? We already have a non-alcoholic beer. It's called a soda. Right. Um, and so, <laughs> but then, you know, the other, a uh, huge, uh, uh, the other side was like, wow, are you kidding me? Like we've been looking for this for years and we've been, you know, drinking the swill for decades and, and like, they were just, and really just got launched. Uh, it was crazy. We started off with DTC first because it was, um, you know, you can do that with, with non-alcoholic beer. That's right. State. And so really our demographic was sort of spread out, right? A few in every town, um, I used to kind of call it. And then, uh, yeah, and then just kind of quickly exploded from there, went into wholesale, and it's been a trip. And here we are today. Wow, amazing. Um, was there, so it makes sense now in terms of the equipment and, 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 and producing, but were you the expert on that? Or you kind of said that you weren't, so did you have to get some help in terms of actually making this type of product, you know what I mean? Producing something that was, that was, I'd say consumable and enjoyable. Yeah. I, I think in the beginning, um, don't ever underestimate the power of YouTube to, to uh -huh. learn a thing or two, right. Uh, yeah. of, of how to make something right. Uh, but no, um, uh, you know, I took guidance from a lot of, um, 
of existing brewers. Uh, you know, we contract brewed. I know a lot of uh, some, a lot of your guests start off, you know, either co-packing or totally. contracting it out. And so that's what we did. Um, but it was really difficult to kind of take what brewers knew as, as, as sort of a process and kind of turn it up, turn on its head a little bit. And, and look, a lot of them were like also anti, you know, we're a brewer. We can't make non-alcoholic beer like, you know, beat it. So um, we had to find some people who were very amicable to it. Uh, and by amicable, amicable, I mean, uh, they needed the money. And so uh, we uh, contracted with, gosh, we were in like four facilities, which is just wow. a, a logistics nightmare, right? And a margin nightmare, trying to rent trucks to move product here and there. And anyway, so yeah, we started off with some guidance from, from uh, uh, much smarter people than myself, but uh, ended up, uh, and look, we're still learning to, to this day. It's such a unique process that... Um, yeah, it's just, it's always hard because, it's, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, it's yeast and yeast is a living organism and to try to manipulate it and make it do what you want to do doesn't always end up, uh, you know, in a good place. So we've learned how to sort of speak, uh, right. It's like programming, I guess. Uh, we learned how to program it in a way and, and for the most part, it does what we want it to do. That's cool. I love the packaging. I see an IPA, oatmeal stout, amber ale, blonde, like just really great work on the, on the outside of the cans. Um, raspberry Ghosts? Is that what that is? Ghosts? Yeah, Goza. Yeah, Goza. Goza. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Um, so you started with the IPA. When did you know this was actually going to be successful? Was there a point where you're like, okay, we're starting to get some traction? Yeah, I think it was like yesterday, maybe. No, um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Five years later. Um, I mean, like, that's what I was trying to get at. Like, how long did it take before it's, you... You know, it's funny. You know. Like, I think, you know, it's always interesting because um, you can imagine a lot of entrepreneurs like, hey, we see a need. But uh, when they come up with the product, there hasn't been a history of that product just sucking, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> right. So we, I mean, we go into we go into accounts like a bar or restaurant, and like, hey, we have this great new non-alcoholic craft beer, and they're like, non-alcoholic? What the heck? We sell like two of those a year, and right. how much do you how much do you want to charge for it? And like, get out of here, forget it. But you know, every day that it sort of went by after that, more and more people became more receptive, and I, I think really up until maybe like one or two years ago. And this whole sort of shift, like better for you, right? We saw like hard seltzers and kombucha, all these sort of like, hey, this is actually, you know, if you're going to have another drink, you're going to you're going to die, basically. Right. So, you know, a lot of doctors <laughs> are telling our customers, so hey, you know, drink this non-alcoholic beer; it's better for you, like low in calorie. It's, you know, we don't really we don't really promote it, but they're vegan. They're like low sugar, low carb. And, and so, um, really, um, you know, back then it was a lot of people who just kind of had to give it up. Uh, we call those the, the can't havers. Right? right. Um, so, you know, gen X, gen, uh, gen, uh, sorry, boomers and seniors. And, and really it kind of skewed a little bit older, uh, and you the occasional, right. Someone who's in recovery or pregnant, the stereotypical groups that you would think of with non-alc, but, um, but as sort of the, the, you know, even the past year, it's shifted so much to uh, younger drinkers, millennials, uh, Gen Y, right. We call those like the, the, the don't wanters. Right. So they, um, you know, they, they might drink uh, uh, an occasional beer or wine or whatever, hard seltzer, but they're trying to uh, abstain a, a bit more and trying to be again, a, a little bit healthier, right. Health and wellness. And so it's just been a huge uh, shift we've seen in like, who's drinking stuff so it's it's kind of neat it's great there has to be growth in the categories but yeah it was it was always interesting because sort of moving along so um i know i had something but it changed it, it just changes a lot right like who do we target who's going to really enjoy the product um i think recently uh you know again we shifted from more of um kind of beyond alcoholic moments so like times you would enjoy beer into more beverage moments so times when ah, you interesting. have like a Got iced it. tea or soda yeah that's i think that was really necessary for us to say okay 
we have something now it's for everyone. It's not just for old beer drinkers. Right. So sure. No, that makes sense. And, um, what about you, you sell direct to consumer on your site and also you're selling into retail. What, what have you seen in terms of the trends and the differences and what's worked in terms of, you know, getting yourself into new markets? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we were very, um, I mean, gosh, we love DTC, but you know, to us, at least like pre COVID, like let's, you know, it doesn't really make sense to for customers to spend like all this money to ship on shipping right clear, clear way across the country. Yeah. And then wait like a week or two, you know, to get the product, like wouldn't they much rather just go down to a local store and pick it up. And so totally. we were, I mean, pre COVID we're like, let's maybe get away from DTC and, and just go full force in the wholesale. Cause that's like, like no one buys a beer online these days. Well, that was then, but fast forward and, and, you know, this is said in a lot of ways with COVID, it kind of accelerated, um, you know, just a change consumer demand towards uh, anything, uh, deli- you know, anything that get delivered, get delivered. I mean, I'm very guilty, unfortunately, of having toilet paper delivered to my house, which is <laughs> rid- ridiculous, right? Through Amazon, but <laughs> but it really shifted. I mean, people, yeah. And so and so now we're like, okay, wholesale is fine, but let's put everything we have into uh, into DTC, and it's it's it really is to me, the best channel, right? Cause you have so much data, you no can, doubt. Like, you know, you can get, you can, you can find out a lot about your consumer, which is so important to this category. Cause it is so relatively new. Uh, whereas wholesale, once it leaves the brewery, it's just like, okay, don't know who's buying it or why they're buying it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, DTC was great for us. It just allowed us to really get out to um, all our customers and and try new things. And even to this day, we do, we do stuff that's sort of limited to um, our newsletter or online customers. For example, uh, all our, like crazy new ideas, like like we talked earlier a little bit before the show about yeah. cookie dough, yeah, cookie dough, right. uh, a beer, right? <laughs> so yeah, I have these crazy ideas. I'll, I'll throw them into beer and just kind of send them out on a limited basis. We'll make a small batch, but oh my gosh, <laughs> customers just love it. Like you know, it's just it's just so innovative because again it's been a space where it just has been a very boring, right. Like again, distilled or, or filtered out lager. There hasn't been much um, change in it in diversity. So it's been cool. That's very, very cool. Yeah. We were talking about, um, for those that haven't listened a couple episodes back ahead on, uh, the founder of Brodo. Um, and if you haven't checked that out, you can check that out. Erica Rankin was on, she, uh, we're talking, we were talking about what, what else could you do with cookie dough? Um, maybe put it in a beer. Um, anyway, so, um, how do you handle inventory? Like how do you decide how much to make and what's the shelf life? Yeah. Um, I think inventory is always the, the hardest part to account for. Um, you know, we've been, I mean, historically really kind of brew on demand. So we know we have a certain response with, or certain needs for DTC, but wholesale, you know, it could be like, okay, we'll get an order for a couple of pallets or we'll get an order for a couple of truckloads unexpectedly. Right. You know, it's hard to, in a new category, it's always, you know, it's, it's sort of top down. So uh, for other categories, retailers know for the most part uh, how much they're going to sell or at least have a pretty good idea. And then they pass it on to the distributor who would pass it on to the manufacturer. Uh, it's like, it's a big unknown because it's changing every day. There's, it's, 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 it's experiencing such growth. In fact, it's, it's outpacing sales growth in, in alcoholic beer, like six to one. So wow. it's just, it's just exploding. And so it's difficult to plan that. And so we've been really good about trying to anticipate, but, uh, we get thrown definitely, a a curveball once in a while. It's like, Oh, we'll, we'll produce a ton of this and we have a, this, and of course we'll get an order <laughs> for something else. Right. It's how it is. Um, and so, um, yeah, our coal box, it's, it's like a, a sea of like, it's almost like buildings in there. Cause we stack everything way more higher than we're supposed to. And trying to, it's like a maze of, of pallets <laughs> nice. of beer, trying to get something. And of course, everything people want is it's like in the way back, right. Of course. The top shelf, so you know, <laughs> right. it takes about an hour to get. Uh, and so, yeah, it's been, um, it's, it's been tricky that way. Um, 
but uh, it, you know, look, it's a good problem to have. It's exciting. Um, so yeah. And you don't have the issue on the front of your can. It says contains less than 0.5% alcohol by volume. So you don't have to deal with the three tier distribution model, correct? Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of tricky and, uh, and look, we've, we've been kind of, uh, we've learned to operate in this kind of gray area again with new uh, categories like this. Uh, sometimes the rules don't catch up in time. And so there are a couple states where we are considered a malt beverage, which falls under those sort of three tier or, or alcoholic beverage laws. And, and so we're not really supposed to be shipping to them, but for the most part, no, it's, it's, um, you know, we are, we try to model ourselves after we go through the the traditional three tier, or if that's applicable, and, and even in other, because ultimately it ends up in the beer aisle. You know, if it was a soda uh, or or an iced tea or something like that, then yeah, we probably have a better better luck that way. But no, we, we consider ourselves a beer because we are a beer, and so we play by the the beer rules. No, that's great. And then as far as growth, um, do you continue to launch new brands or extensions, or how do you think about it, or is it all about getting out to new markets? What does that look like? Yeah, so I think both. Um, again, as we kind of move beyond, and we're actually coming up with a whole new brand refresh. We've been sitting on this brand for a couple of years, and you know, it used to it's as you see, it's kind of nostalgic. So yeah, playing to the old, maybe much more colors, direct. Uh, they've been a great partner. Same with Bevmo here in California. Uh, well, Bevmo are now distribution, but Toyota is a great example. Uh, of a great model, they 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 back the truck up to the brewery. They we we go to the gills. They send it out to their distribution center, and then out it goes to their stores. So, right. Um, routes are always you know it's it's someone once told me this really isn't a beer company. It's it's a logistics and shipping company with a slight uh, I guess drinking problem. But uh, <laughs> and so for us, it's just um, trying to get. It's it's always about getting beer from point A to point B. That's the biggest cost you're going to really incur. Um, when it's all said and done. Philip, so one of the things I love to ask our guests is like, what have been like two or three of the biggest lessons learned in launching a new brand? Um, and you've been at this now for a couple of years, but what kind of advice would you share to our listening audience? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people start off, number one is, uh, you know, they started sort of part-time and I have to take that leap sometimes into full time. I know that's, that's a lot to give up sometimes, and it's, uh, it's, it doesn't make the, the most sense. But I think long term, if you really want to get started, um, you know, dive in and go for it. Put everything on the line because it's really not until you really get going and, and have a full attention to it, then at least for us, uh, you, that you succeed. So that's you know number one. Number two, um, I, it sounds kind of funny, but it makes a lot of sense. But you have to be prepared for the sort of long-term, um, I guess, outlook. And that means right. you better have some... It takes a lot of time, funding, right? Funding in place, right? Right. It, it takes time. It takes money. You know, um, <laughs> it's not right. always the case. You know, I'm, I'm sort of overgeneralizing here. But um, look, you're going to... If you you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot in the process, and sometimes you're gonna have to be able to to sort of weather the storm, and maybe the margins don't make sense if you're contracting. But um, it, I I know a lot of colleagues who started companies and they had great ideas, they were on their path, uh, and they just ran out of money. And it's so unfortunate that it's like, oh, what do I do? Right. And, uh, you can only mortgage so so many houses and things like that. Um, and then number three, um, you know, and we. This was kind of a mistake that we had, I guess. Um, 
sometimes you sit on brand, uh, like your branding and, and actually something that, um, uh, you know, that Brodo said was, uh, you know, your packaging is going to change, your branding is going to change. Don't be afraid to change it. Um, and you're always, you have to listen to consumers, right? You have to see what they want, what they're doing, what kind of brands resonate with them. So, um, I think for us, we, we just wanted to, um, make a pretty big pivot. Uh, we've pivoted before, but, uh, I think you have to be agile, more agile to what's going on with your category, with your market, and don't be afraid to change things. Uh, people tend to have a short memory and they always love something new. So, ah, so go true. for it. <laughs> just yeah, yeah just pivot. <laughs> I love that. That's a great piece of advice. And speaking of new, you know, h- how do you think about new brands or flavors for your product? What is, h- how does that work in your mind? Uh, yeah, I mean, just day-to-day inspiration. Uh, I mean, look, uh, I think non-alc um, craft beers where like alcoholic craft beer was, you know, 15 years ago. So we just kind of take a playbook out of what was, it's almost like back in time and saying, okay, uh, I know the answer is in advance. Uh, what can I do to, right. uh, to make to make this work? And so, and, and so it's great because, you know, I mean, gosh, it, it sounds silly, but we, like a big part of our demographic has never had an IPA before. And so right. uh, they're like, wow, that's crazy. Amazing. That's crazy uh, to think about that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's like, all right, let's come up with an, a stout. And yeah. So, um, so really, you know, there's that. So, so doing what, what has traditionally worked in craft beer, but also doing like, I loved a, uh, it sounds, um, well, it sounds good, but, uh, it depends how you look at it. So there was this, great beer that was a um it was honey vanilla and orange and it, it was like a creamsicle ale like those old school um you know um popsicles or like orange on the outside ice cream yeah so i'm like let's make a beer, <laughs> beer out of that and so we did and, and as expected uh half of the people i think most of the people loved it and then there's a very very vocal uh subset that was like this is disgusting uh what, oh. you know what are you thinking and uh it brings me back to this, um, this story, uh, and maybe there's a, some other uh, piece of advice too. Um, you know, as much as this is a business and you want to, um, you need to make money and you have to do what your customers, you know, want. And look, most brewers start off saying, look, I, uh, I'm going to make this beer how I want it. I really don't care what uh, customers say, and that's a surefire way not to do well because sure. y- y- you have to sell beer and you have to sell your products. So uh, again, important with DTC is you have all this data, you have chances to try things, chances for feedback. But on the other hand, uh, I was at a, a deli that um, I was sitting in the corner and they had this really interesting turkey sandwich, and it was mm. it was had all these weird things on it, but it was I don't <laughs> know, it was different. I was like, I want to try it. And the cashier looked at me, he's like, sir, no one ever orders this. Uh, what are you thinking? Like, I don't care. I'm going to try it. So <laughs> it was that weird. And so I heard of this sandwich. I'm, I'm diving into it. It's, it's delicious. And there's this guy in the corner. It's just me and this guy in this, in this uh, corner of the, of the deli. And he's kind of, you know, kind of scraggy looking. He's like, looking at me, staring at me. He's like, hey, what do you think about that turkey sandwich? I said, it's delicious. It's really weird, but I love it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, it's like the baseball hat I was wearing. It was Bravis hat. And he's like, oh, hey, uh, Bravis. I'm like, yeah, it's not an alcoholic beer. But, you know, went to the store. He's like, no, I know. Uh, I love your beer. I'm actually the owner of this deli. And that's my turkey sandwich. Oh, like, wow. I created it. 
I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, you know, I wanted to make a turkey sandwich how I want, how I wanted to, because uh, I want to eat it, you know, and sure enough, he's eating his own turkey sandwich. And so um, I think this, the moral really is you do a little bit of both at the end of the day, right? You, you sure. need to have your sort of core uh, offering, which is what we have. And then you have a chance because we have a seasonal release and then we have limited releases to kind of experiment, do what you want to do. And who knows, you might have a couple of hits on your hands. And sure. that's where research ties into, hey, maybe I should make this more white widespread or, or uh, a core offering. So I love it. Yeah. Um, a lot of interesting ways to sort of approach a, a business for sure. But it's uh, so cool. I love it. Um, share with our listening for sure to come up with just crazy ideas and, and implement them. Totally. Share with our listening audience where they can find you, how they can connect with you, how they can buy your product, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, on the web at bravus.com, B-R-A-V-U-S.com. Uh, I'm going to set up a, a special discount code, Contender15, ah, to get love 50% it. off your first order. And, uh, you know, if online is not your thing, uh, then uh, you can find us locally um, throughout this, the country, uh, Total Wine, uh, here in California, Washington, Arizona, through BevMo. Uh, we're going into HEBs in Texas. We got stores in Chicago. Uh, really, the easiest way is to go into our website. We have a store finder and see if it's locally. That way, you don't have to pay any shipping. shipping. But definitely sign up for a newsletter. Yeah, the shipping again. But definitely sign up for a newsletter and uh, just kind of you'll be informed about our, our, our all those crazy releases and discounts and all that good stuff. That's really, really cool. I, ha- I can't let you go without asking about like, what, how did you come up with the name Bravis? Like, wh- what was the story behind that? Yeah, sure. So uh, so the original, actually, the, the original parent company name was Gravitas Brewing Company. So Gravitas, like class, dignity, kind of harks back to uh, the friend of mine who was just elderly embarrassed to, to be drinking an all-out beer. Right. We wanted to, to change that, you know, uh, change the game there. In fact, I forgot to mention, sorry, real quick, we have this like really crazy limited release barrel-aged non-alcoholic style, which oh. is just a paradox in itself because right. barrel-aging, barrel yeah, par- barrel-aging non-alcoholic. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like this really neat. Uh, so it's this labor of love for, for me, and it allows me to kind of connect with our um, customers. So, so I, I brew it, I, I hand bottle it, I hand label it. Uh, it's in this beautiful like five ten milliliter black matte champagne bottle. It's like everything that goes against uh, traditional right. non alcoholic <laughs> beer. So uh, it's called Gravitas. So right, something that you can be proud of to display like on a holiday table or whatever. Uh, and so, yeah, so Gravitas, I'm like, okay, it's cool. And then the uh, good old trademark office said, um, well, uh, you're gonna, there's going to be, there's a Gravitas wine and people might get confused that uh, a 12 ounce can of non-alcoholic beer, they'll get confused with a Gravitas 750 milliliter bottle of wine, alcoholic wine. <laughs> so you're going to need to change the name. I go, okay, whatever. That's uh <laughs> Let's come up with something real quick and, and something that's easy to remember. And so Bravis. So really, again, kind of brave and Brandis sure. put together. I love Bravis. It. I um, love it. And uh, since and since it's uh, a, a bit made up, it's obviously a lot easier to protect. And the fact that people can't pronounce it actually is a good thing. <laughs> I like of, it. Uh, I think I said Bravis earlier. Not Bravis. Well, Bravis. <laughs> it's all good. No, that's fine. It's, it's Bravis too. Sure. I Why love not? it. That's really cool. Well, Philip, it's been so great meeting you and um, so great having you on today. There's so much growth in front of you. I'm so impressed by where you've already gotten the brand to, not only the direct-to-consumer side, but just the access um, retail-wise is a huge win, and there's so much upside in the market for you. I hope you'll come back on down the road and um, share more of your stories with us. Absolutely. Again, thanks for having me, Justin. It's a great show and uh, thankful to be on. 
The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.